Good morning. As the band plays me off. There we go. Thanks, you guys. Um, my name is Barry Rogers. If you don't know me, I know some of you might not know me. Um, I'm the leader of the First Impressions team at Church in the Valley. And um, it's been fun getting into this new building and getting to greet you guys out at the guard station and around campus. So you may have seen me um, for a job. I do. Uh, I'm a sales consultant for a security company. So, again, maybe something you'd see me around town, that sort of thing. And for five more days, I am in seminary. Very excited about that. But I am very, very, very excited to have the opportunity to speak to you today. Um, in pre- preparation for this message, we've been going through this whole series called Box Office Wisdom, and we're looking at the major messages of movies. People uh, associate movies with the summer because that's usually when they put out their best movies, and these movies have messages. So the idea is that people are talking about these messages, we're thinking about them, and we want to know what does the Bible say about these messages. And so today we'll be talking about Spider-Man Homecoming, which I saw. We'll tell you a little bit about that in just a second. Um, but I was uh, I know some of you are probably thinking as we get started here, Spider-Man, not another Spider-Man. Come on. My mom, actually, when I was uh, preparing for this, I told her this is what I was speaking on. And she said, no, they stopped making those. I was like, well, you know, after Spider-Man 3, I know most of us have probably been burned, but um, let's check out this trailer, and then uh, we'll see. Finally, here we go. Good evening, Peter. Oh. You have 576 possible web shooter combinations. That is awesome. <laughs> I can keep that suit. Yeah, doesn't fit me. What's your next retreat? What, next mission? We'll call you. All right. That's not a hug. I'm just grabbing the soap for you. I'm not there yet. <laughs> All right, good. good luck out there. Hey, Peter. You coming tonight? I can't tonight. I got the Stark internship. What's up, guys? Mr. Stark, there's my report for tonight. I stopped the uh, Grand Theft Bicycle. Hey, could you do me a favor? Hold on a minute. Does anybody fight? Oh, I helped this old lady, and she bought me a churro. So, that was nice. I just feel like I could be doing more. Wait a minute. You guys aren't the real Avengers. Hope gives it away. <laughs> New move I'm working on? Not bad. Oh. Oh my God, this feels so strange. Oh. These weapons are crazy dangerous. Listen, Vader, there are people who handle this sort of thing. Can't you just be a friendly neighborhood Spider-Man? Oh. by the training wheels protocol. I'm sick of Mr. Stark treating me like a kid. But you are a kid. Yeah, a kid who can stop a bus with his bare hands. Woo! 
And just like that, another Spider-Man. There you go. Well, I actually uh, went and saw this movie. Uh, full disclosure, most of you probably know, maybe know uh, my history with comic book movies. I've been burned so many times that I've pretty much given up on the whole genre. This was a really good movie. I watched it for this message, but um, I enjoyed it. Uh, the the new Spider-Man is pretty cool. They've kind of reinvented him. He's not your mom's Tobey Maguire Spider-Man. The, sky, the, the sidekick that they have is pretty funny. Uh, Michael Keaton... Always good, good in, uh, as a villain in any movie. And um, there's a lot of really, really good messages and things that you can kind of take away from this movie. But the big overall question from this movie is, when is it going to be my turn? So you'll see that in your, on your handout. But when is it going to be my turn? Um, Spider-Man has been given the opportunity to be a part of the Avengers, and he's kind of uh, gotten to help out with them on a few different things. He's gotten a taste of his spider powers and all the things that he can really do. And uh, now he thinks he's ready to take on the world. So uh, you see him at the kind of the beginning of the movie. He's stopping petty robberies. He's, he helps somebody from, uh, you know, stealing a bike. And then he realizes, well, they stole this bike. So what do I do? So he puts a little note on it, puts it on the sidewalk and says, like, please don't steal. But if it's your bike, take it, that kind of thing. Um, he helps old ladies, so she gives her a, a churro, which you see in that commercial. And uh, uh, it's, there's a lot of funny scenes of him just trying to help people, and it's just a complete disaster. But just like most of us, he's looking at his life, and he's going, okay, I got all these powers. When is it going to be my turn? I know I'm better than these little petty things that I'm doing, and I don't totally know what I'm doing, but when is it going to be my turn? Um, I personally can identify with this. Um, I'm 33 years old. I'm single but dating. I work. I have uh, been walking with God for many years now. Um, I'm training in the ministry, learning that sort of thing, and I'm very thankful for where I am, where I am and where God has, um, has taken me in my life. Uh, but I wanted to, to give you kind of an idea of my background um, when I was 24, I decided to move to California. Um, I was in seminary at the time, which, yes, that's right, 10 years ago or eight years ago, I was in seminary. Um, I was serving as an assistant pastor of a church, the church actually that I grew up in, which has its own um, issues and challenges and stuff working. And um, basically, that, that's what I knew uh, I wanted for my life. And But I knew that I wasn't really getting the training that I was looking for. I knew that there was something more out there. And so pursuing the American dream, just like everybody, I dropped out of seminary. There was kind of an appropriate time in my uh, church job where I could uh, hand that off to somebody else, and I moved to California. Ooh, Packed everything up I owned in my uh, Dodge Dakota, which I still have, and headed out. There was a lot of adventures along that way. Um, but I want to give you guys a window into my head at that time. And what better way to do that than to look at uh, my Facebook profile pictures from that time? <laughs> so let's get up the first one here. It has all the major elements of a really, really good Facebook picture. You have exotic destination, a human face, obviously, and a message. It's like I'm just staring there. Okay, Los Angeles, I'm here to protect you. Or maybe uh, you can sleep safely. I'm here. Uh, but again, if we could just zoom in in that 24, 25-year-old mind, what I was probably thinking is, Oh, yes. Uh, 
I am the man. And I am going to show all of these people what I can do. Um, to give a second one here, this one is a little bit more contemplative. <laughs> you can see here I've, I've got my vision. Now I'm working hard. I'm contemplating the many problems of the world and most impressively taking a selfie of myself while doing it. So this is uh, Intelligentsia in Silver Lake where I would do most of my pondering with all the other cool kids. And um, I, I, you know, I show these because slightly as I was checking through, I realized how embarrassing these really were, that I actually posted this stuff. And I want to say I might have only gotten three likes, and two of them might have been to my mom's account. So I don't know, that kind of thing. Um, but at that age, I really wanted to do something with my life. And I do want to do something with my life. I think most of us would say we want to do something with our life. We want to make an impact. But the question is, when is it going to be my turn? When can I step up and do the thing that's going to show everybody uh, what's good? So the cool thing about our church or church just in general is we're a body. We have a bunch of people here. Uh, some people are guests. Some people have never been here before. Um, some people are close to God. Some people don't know God. Some people are trying to see, is there a God, that sort of thing. Uh, some people have kids. Some people have lots of kids. Some people don't have kids with like kids. Some people aren't married all that sort of thing. Um, but we all ask this question maybe different kind of ways. There's, of course, uh, you know, where I'm at where I say, when is it going to be my turn? Maybe to get a different job, uh, to get married, to have kids, uh, to buy a house. Maybe some people in California get to do that. Um, when, uh, when is my ship going to come in? When's that harvest going to happen? And will it actually be what I think it's going to be? Some of you guys have, uh, you've had your chance a little bit. You've gotten a little of experience. You've got the weight of the pressure on your shoulder. And you're saying, um, okay, it's my turn. Um, now what? Uh, or maybe um, it's my turn. Uh, when it's my turn, when it's my turn for the big shot, I've got a little bit of responsibility now and I'm doing the right things. But when it's really my turn to take on the lead shot job, um, will I be ready? Uh, what opportunities do I need to prepare for this job? Uh, how do you uh, get the training that I need for this role that I want to step into? Or how much time will it take? And when it is finally that time, after all this training and all these opportunities and all this work, will I actually be ready? My dad, when I asked him about this, I said, you know, how would you say this? He goes, son, I'm 73. It is my turn. <laughs> Um, but you ask yourself, even in that, am I ready? Am I constantly ready? I've been working my whole life on different things. Am I ready? Well, I, uh, or, uh, a few people actually that I asked about this might've said, uh, or said something to the effect of, um, when will I get a break? Okay. It's been my turn and I've looked forward to that turn and I've been working really, really hard, but is there any break in this whole thing? I'm doing the right things. Why do other people get some of the benefits while I'm just working? And then when I'm done with the work, it seems like it's just more work. Um, a little while back, we did a series uh, here at Church of the Valley called Decades. And I wrote down that it was uh, July, August 2015. If you want to put that uh, picture up there. Um, this is kind of an illustration that we used for that series for how the decades of our lives um, kind of work. And um, we can see the sort of things that each of us are doing um, in the various decades of our lives um, and different spots 
along the process. And I think when you look at kind of these questions of when is it going to be my turn, you almost can see them illustrated here. You see the guy who's uh, down there training, he's studying, he's working hard to, to be ready for when it's his turn. And then you kind of step into the decade that's maybe like the 30s, that, that, that general time frame when you're really building and you're saying, oh, I'm going to work really, really hard on this foundation. And maybe I'm even a little bit behind, but I'm going to work really hard so that I can be ready. And then uh, nobody wants to talk about the next stage where you step up on that ladder and you've built a foundation. And now you pray that it's going to hold, that you're going to walk through the really tough, difficult responsibilities of life and do it well. And then finally, this age at the end where you say, well, I've made it, and now I get to pour into others. And um, speaking to some of the people that are in this stage of life, they say, I thought I was going to get a break. And it seems like the time when the pouring is ready, like somebody really has a problem and they really, really, really need help. I'm tired. I want to go hit the golf course. I want to take a vacation. I've just worked really, 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 really hard, and now it's time to pour, and it's, ti- it's tiring. For Spider-Man, he is doing good things. He's helping out. Uh, he's, uh, he's part of what he needs to be doing. Um, he's, uh, he's doing what he's supposed to be doing. He wants more, and he's asking the question, um, when is it going to be my turn? Um, This morning, uh, I want to discuss what God expects from us um, when he he puts things on your plate. Uh, For each one of us, we are where we are. In our lives, God has given us a lot in life. Uh, This is a theme that you see throughout the the Bible. And um, I actually like to take a step back and say, God is faithful. Um, If there's one thing that I've seen in my life that I know for certain is that God has been faithful to me throughout my entire life. And throughout Scripture, we see opportunities or we see examples of God's faithfulness and um, him really coming through from people uh, as they take steps and take steps of faith. Uh, Some of the people that I like to read about are Abraham, Moses, Paul. Um, They model faithfulness. They model lives of faithfulness. And I will say a couple years back, I really got serious about having a time where I read the Bible and really got to know God. And I will say that having a, uh, a Bible reading plan, that would be a suggestion that maybe I'll throw out there for free. This is like at In-N-Out, the secret menu. I'm just throwing that one out there. Uh, but what it did was it forced me to read some of the stories about Abraham and Moses that, you know what, honestly, I might just gloss over and go, I've got those. Parting of the Red Sea, don't need to read that one anymore. I've read it a dozen times. I'm good or the life of Joshua or Caleb or any of these guys in the Bible who did really, really great things, um, to really read those stories and be forced on a daily basis to do that, that's the discipline that, uh, that having a, a daily reading time has really helped me with. Um, but God is faithful. And in Spider-Man, you have uh, kind of a protege, uh, mentee-mentor relationship between Iron Man and Spider-Man. And in the Bible, we actually see something very similar where a lot of these guys that um, really had a chance to shine. Joshua is one that I'm reading through right now. Joshua is an amazing story, but really his story comes out of the faithfulness of Moses. And he got to see God do really, really great things because he was being faithful at the right time when Moses was really reaping his reward. So he got to see a vision of what God could really do for his life. Uh, Another one is... um, Paul and Timothy, if, uh, if you read the stories of Timothy, Timothy is an amazing example to us 
uh, because honestly, he didn't get to be Paul. But he really, really, really helped out. And as he helped and he was faithful and eventually was martyred for his faith, and um, he, he, was, he was an example to all of us that you really can uh, do a good job when you put yourself, um, put yourself in a position just to help out. You're not looking to get your own, um, that sort of thing, but you're really just looking to help out. So you see all these different things in the Bible, um, but we are called to be faithful where God has put us. So today, I want you to just lock that in your brain. Each one of you, I know right now, you walk into this room every Sunday, and you have a bunch of different things. I know some of you might scribble your grocery list sometimes on your, on your program from time to time, or you're thinking about the laundry that needs to get done, or you're thinking about how stressful tomorrow is. And if you weren't before I just said that, then you are now, that kind of thing. But, um, and I'm thinking about turning in a research paper tonight, and I'm ready for the work week and all this sort of thing. But... Honestly, we each are walking into this room with a lot, something that God has given us, a trust, some opportunity for us to be faithful. And I know for some of you guys, you're, you're thinking, oh, gosh, I don't even want to think about that right now because what I have is really hard. And even me saying that, I know a lot of the people in this room, and I know how hard some of the things you're going through are. And um, God wants to meet us there today. So that's the lot that you have. So... Put that one in your heart, and uh, we're going to talk a little bit about um, uh, what God expects or how God expects us each to be faithful. So the the scripture today is out of uh, Luke chapter 16, and if you read Luke chapter 16 as a whole, or at least the half of it, I guess, is uh, verses 1 through 15, uh, it's all in the context of some discussions about money. So the first, uh, the first little story before the passage that we're going to get into specifically um, I and gave it my own little title. In my Bible, it has this little subtitle of the shrewd manager, and in your Bible, it might say the same thing. Uh, but I like to call him the shady bootleg shrewd manager. This guy is about as shady a business person as you can get. Um, and this is Jesus talking. So as you're reading it, you're going, this guy's kind of commended here. Um, and what Jesus isn't saying is uh, that this guy does a good deal. But basically, in the, the ancient world, if you were rich, they didn't have the internet. You couldn't manage your businesses uh, remotely without having a steward, somebody to take possession of and have authority to manage your possessions. So they could have, uh, they could give out uh, expense uh, expense reports. They can give out uh, expenses for projects. They can um, they can pay workers. They can make really critical decisions to make your business go, which is kind of a scary thought process. Throughout Scripture, we see God really talk about us as kind of stewards of His of this life that He's given to us and the resources that He's given to us. Um, but at the end of the, the story, this guy has been really shady. He's been a really, really bad manager. He's probably sitting in the office playing Xbox, ordering pizza with the boss's money, and nothing is happening that needs to be happened. And somebody tells the owner, hey, this guy's messing around with your money. And so what he does was he's, uh, he's, uh, he goes and he realizes, oh, the owner's going to kill me for this. And so he takes all the people who owe this owner money and cuts their bill in half. And it really seems so, so shady that he would do this because obviously the owner's going to lose a lot of money. But he makes a lot of friends in the process. And the idea is, is that when he gets kicked out, he's going to be able to lean on those friendships that he's developed. And the owner says, that's a very shrewd thing to do. Now, again, Jesus isn't saying be a shady business person. But what he says is people who are in the light don't even act this shrewdly. 
So that's one message for us today from, from this passage is the fact that, like, we need to think of it like that. We have money that means nothing. It's very, it has some worth to it, but it's not, it's not everything. Relationships and things are way more important. Another thing he says, this is another one of those places where Jesus says, you can't serve two masters. It's either going to be money or it's God. And we have to decide that. And ultimately, God's looking at your heart and saying, what do you really value here? So today, when we look at these three verses, that's kind of the context that we're in, is God saying, I don't care about these things in themselves. I care about what's going on in your heart. What do you really value? And so this is where we have the opportunity to be faithful. So how, do we, how can we be faithful right now, where we are, where our heart is? How can we be faithful? Um, the verses, uh, Luke 16, 10 through 12, which you should have in your uh, program, but it'll be up on the screen. It says, whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with much. And whoever is dishonest with very little can also, will also be dishonest with much. So if you um, have not been trustworthy in handling worldly wealth, who will trust you with true riches? And if you have not been trustworthy with someone else's property, who will give you property of your own? So we see three things. Um, number one, be faithful with little. Um, and each one of these we really can think of as kind of a test. So this is the faithfulness test number one. Be faithful with little. So, And I really miss home right now. I'm uh, going on vacation in about a month. So you're going to see a little bit of my home just so that uh, you know we can kind of relate on this thing. But this gives me an idea. This is something that you see everywhere in New Orleans. So if you haven't been to New Orleans, you should go because we have oak trees and they're really, really beautiful. But um, when you're a little kid, you go to City Park and you can climb around in the branches of these things. But you just sit there in awe and you go, that is a really, really big tree. Um, here's another picture of some oak trees uh, in a plantation kind of in north Louisiana or kind of central Louisiana, I guess. But um, this is called Oak Alley, and it's just really, really beautiful. It's as though 100 years ago the, the, the owner knew that if they planted them just right, you could just take the perfect, like, selfies. So that's probably what they were thinking with that. Um, but obviously that took a long time. Um, I had a, a, a veterinarian that I used to work for, and he had a farm that had these beautiful oak trees, and they were huge, huge, huge. And he said each one of the oak trees was planted when the owner of the house's children were born. So these were 100-year oaks, each one slightly larger than the other as you went down in age, but it was just really, really beautiful. So if you look at the last slide here, it's um, this obviously is what you start with. you got this big oak tree. Um, it all starts with an acorn. So for me, um, if you look to the next slide, this is me when I was a little acorn. Um, so each one of us, this, this is kind of where we start, right? We're just a crazy little kid. Ninja Turtles, it's back. You know, it's so funny. Most of the pictures I see of my childhood, I go, oh, we're still wearing that stuff. Um, and this was actually taken on a Polaroid, if you can believe that. So the, uh, But this was me, like, in my early Sunday school days. And... Again, if you could get in that little mind and think about what you think life is going to be and turn out to be and all this kind of stuff. But there's hopes and dreams and all kinds of things. If you go to the next, uh, the next picture, this is me and my brother. So two little acorns. Um, love my brother very much. And uh, this was taken in Metairie, Louisiana. So it's a suburb of New Orleans where we grew up. This is his first bicycle, first big boy bike kind of thing. But again, when my parents were the age that they were when this picture was taken – 
they really probably didn't know where their their oak trees would be growing. That um, you know that I would be in California. My brother is a very important business person in Massachusetts. Does a very very good job. Very faithful guy. And um, you don't know. So many of you here I know have some acorns of your own. We have a lot of acorns in this room. And when you really think of it in those terms of the whole oak tree thing is um, we all want, we want the impressive oak tree, but we don't realize that it's that little acorn that uh, it gets you there. So some of you are listening to this and go, oh, come on, that's way too easy. But it really is. It's the way our, our brains kind of work. Um, it's not impressive to be the acorn, but the acorn gets you to the oak tree. Um, it's not going to get noticed probably because it's such a small thing. Uh, it seems like it's so small when you start, uh, but later it gets bigger and bigger. And if you start late, uh, most of us go, well, it's so small a start that if I don't start now, it's fine because it's only this big. It's not going to take long to catch up. Um, I've already been in California for eight years of my life. You know, I, it's, it's crazy because when I first got here, it was kind of like an acorn of an idea of just being here. Um, but we can see that just being faithful with a little thing, that's what leads to big things over a lifetime. So wherever you're at, um, think about that one. That's the first test. When we're faithful with those little things, uh, God, uh, God, God builds us into more things. Um, the second thing is be faithful with your money. The Bible calls it worldly, worldly wealth. Uh, money is part of life. We know this. Um, it's an indicator of what you value. And uh, we can use money for things that don't perish. I'll say that again. We can use money for things that don't perish. Uh, Most of the time when I'm going through my budget and things, a lot of times I'm really just looking at a bunch of perishable stuff. You know, there's my food budget, which goes up and down depending on um, um, how disciplined I'm feeling. Um, But if we look back at that decades uh, picture of kind of how we flow through the life, we, we can see there's different times call for different expenses. So obviously the student down here, I know we have some students in here, uh, your money expenditure or your parents' money expenditure looks different during that time. During the building phase, uh, it's very, very, very different. You have to figure out, okay, I've provided for myself. What do I do with the other stuff? Do I save it for later? Do I invest? Um, do I invest in others? Uh, what do I use my money for? And, you know, money's not always free-flowing then. Uh, but then you step to the next level, and you're investing in people. You're, you're, you have children maybe. You have a difficult job. You're working on your marriage, all these kind of things. Um, wherever you're at at that stage, uh, life is getting difficult, and maybe the money is not really coming together. Uh, so you really have to rely on God, and um, we have a lot of decisions that need to be made. And then later on in life, uh, once you finally hit it, the money might not be there either. It's possible that at the end of life you might still struggle. Um, but the thing is, is that wherever you're at in this process, God is still asking you to be faithful wherever you are. And this is a really tough thing for me. Again, at my age, as I'm looking through my budget, I'm trying to think, okay, I've thought of everything that I need to take care of. Um, what else is there? There are things that we can spend our money on that last forever. One thing, obviously, is, um, is people. Uh, we can give to the church, and that's part of what we do on Sundays, a way of worshiping God through giving. Um, we, can, uh, we can give to uh, training. We can give to um, maybe a cup of coffee or buying somebody a slice of pizza and having a conversation. 
Uh, it's possible that you can make an eternal impact through just like very, very small things. Um, but this is faithfulness test number two. And it's shrouded in a very earthly thing. Is that easy, It's easy to say, uh, God doesn't really care about my money. I mean, honestly, I'm meeting all my needs. He's helping me out. I've got a good life. Um, there's a lot of things that we could spend our money on. But um, that's the thing I would, I would say that we all need to take a step, second look at um, all the time is, what are things that we can spend, even if it's just a little money, that will last forever? Honestly, that's probably the most depressing thing in the world to think about is that uh, you would spend your money all your life on things that aren't going to last beyond this world. Um, but that's part of the faithfulness test. God's looking at what you're spending your money, not to be you know, mean or anything, but because that really does show you where your heart is. And then finally, faithfulness, number, faithfulness test number three is to be faithful with another's. And that might just be a really bad sentence. Sorry, I typed that. That's not anybody else's fault, but that's the way I say it. But it's faithful with another, somebody else's stuff. Um, this is a tough test for me because um, it's so easy to go, well, when I get mine, when I have my own, then I'm going to be faithful, and then I'm going to work hard, that sort of thing. But honestly, the truth is, is that um, when we work faithfully for somebody else's stuff, it really is. It's a, it's a struggle. It's a test. Um, somebody that I, I put a picture up here is uh, Warren Buffett, and his picture is up there. Good, good old Warren. There you go. Um, I, I get really sucked into certain topics and things like that. A couple of years ago, I watched the movie, or two years ago, I watched the movie Big Short, and I got really obsessive with this movie. I watched it way too many times, but I got started watching a lot of documentaries on the housing cri- crisis, and I learned a lot about that and why it happened and what are things that we could look for in the future. And then that got me looking into documentaries about stock trading and things like that and investing. And then it got me to Warren Buffett. And Warren Buffett's really interesting. Obviously, he's been the richest man in the world a lot of times because, you know, that number goes up and down. But he's worth like $80 billion. Sorry, I don't want to insult Warren there. $80 billion. Um, he literally by himself bailed out one of the banks during the 2008 crisis, which that's amazing in itself. And HBO made a really cool documentary if you learn more about Warren Buffett or ask anybody from Nebraska because they all know about him. Um, But Warren Buffett's very first money that led to all these billions of dollars literally was given to him by, like, his his family members. Like, they said, uh, we trust you. You know, here's our retirement money, that sort of thing. Now, think about that, like, the, the trust put in you that, you have Uncle Eddie's, uh, you know, retirement plan sitting in your bank account that you're working on and investing, that sort of thing. That's a heavy trust that, uh, that he would give to you. Now, uh, Warren obviously has been very faithful in that money respect as far as investing other people's money. Um, maybe the person that you would rather be isn't somebody as plain Jane as Warren Buffett, but maybe the next person, kind of Elon Musk. When we really think about being faithful with other people's stuff, we really would like to be not just rich, but if we could be cool, young, and rich, you know, that would be kind of cool. Uh, but honestly, faithfulness usually doesn't look like this. It's, it's not the cover of Fortune magazine. It's not the, uh, the great uh, groundbreaking accolades and stuff that a guy like Elon Musk gets, but maybe some of the guys that work in his labs and things like that that uh, have been really, really faithful in developing products, but... For each one of us today, probably we're not even thinking with the faithfulness test of really glamorous things. We're just thinking about our everyday life that we're going to go back to on, uh, on uh, tomorrow and into the next week. 
but it's not, it's not going to be glamorous. Uh, it might seem like a waste of time sometime, um, but it really does please God to be faithful with other people's stuff. And, um, and again, that's, that's part of the test. So we have these three tests. And um, as I kind of wrap up this morning, I just like to say, like, um, God doesn't want you to be miserable. We talk about really serious things here because uh, God's word talks about real things. Um, God is very, very real. Uh, the longer I live, the more I, I believe it because I experience it. And um, honestly, he wants you not to be miserable. It's tough. Life is tough. But we almost have to have the right perspective that not only does God love us, but he loves us so much that he's willing to bring us through real difficult things where we have to literally step out on faith and just take steps when we can't see, is it all going to work out? And um, these three tests are a really, really difficult one because in our hearts, it's so easy to say, God, if you would just show me that this is going to work, I'll take the step. If you would just show me it's going to work out and it's going to be the big oak tree, then I'll do it. But that's just not the way it works. And, um, from where I stand now, I can say, you know, I'm maybe a little bit, I've grown a little bit, a little more oak tree to me. Some of you guys are big oaks, and you've been through really difficult things. Um, for some of the youth and college students, um, you, you're, you're waiting for your turn. And I just want to say get excited because you're going to see God come through for you if you really do trust and be faithful in ways that you can't even imagine. Um, for some of us who are just kind of adults and we're, uh, you know, getting things together, um, be encouraged. Uh, God's watching what you're doing. He's guiding you, and he wants to be a part of delivering you and moving you forward. Um, for some of the adults that are, uh, some of the adults here that are pulling a lot of weight in a lot of different ways and paying the price, keep going. Do not give up. I know, again, there's some really, really tough things that uh, we all see in life, and um, uh, let us know how you, we can help. We're a body here. So if, um, if you're going through those really, really tough times and carrying a lot of weight, uh, don't be afraid to talk to people. Um, God has, you know, has given us his, his church, really, to, uh, to help us through these times. Um, but you guys inspire us, and we want to help out in any way that we can. And for those who have walked the long path and you've walked through really difficult things and you really are in a phase where you're pouring out all the things that God's done, thank you. Thank you for your example. Thank you that you've poured into our lives and um, keep doing it because time's short. We're only here for a little bit of time, and um, I'm very thankful to be here. I'm thankful that uh, God has, uh, has, has worked in my life, and I'm, I'm very happy to see all the things that God's doing in you guys' life. Um, as we talk about uh, some next steps, every week we talk about or we ask you guys to think through your next steps because God is real, and the Word of God is real, and it works in real life. And um, to be able to not just hear a uh, good, good talk, even if it was good or not, uh, if you hear a good talk and you leave unchanged, um, you know, th- that's, uh, that's usually because you didn't put it into action. And the Bible calls us out to do that. So we have three next steps this morning um, that could be a- an encouragement to you. The first one is to... Um, to think through uh, or list out all the areas of responsibility that you currently have. Maybe you have three things, one thing. Some of you guys, dozens and dozens and lists of things, I know. Um, but look at, look at that list again. Take a step back from the fog and say, 
um, what's an area maybe that I can tighten up? In this season, I'm going to focus on tightening up this one area. Uh, the second thing is maybe to ask yourself, what are the uh, opportunities where I am currently? I know a lot of times it's really, really easy for, uh, again, to get busy in the midst of carrying so much weight and to miss the fact that there's an opportunity. For some of you parents, it's really cool to see how you guys, in the midst of all the other crazy stuff, take the time to uh, pull a, a child aside and talk them through things and really work with them when they need it the most. Because a lot of times it's easy to not see the opportunity and go, get away, kid, you know, (laughs) get away, kid, you bother me, that kind of thing. Um, But to be able to take advantage of those opportunities, I've seen you guys do that over and over. And, um, again, it inspires me to to do the same thing with other people. And um, finally, maybe another step for you would be uh, to pray and ask God to show you what his priorities are for your life. Again, a lot of times I get really messed up because I can go from day to day to day and get really depressed because all I'm doing is my stuff, and all I'm doing is checking a bunch of boxes and moving from thing to thing to thing. But um, to be able to get on God's page is really the adventure of life because if, if, if God is real um, and he has something that he would, uh, some suggestions, let's say, for your life, you're going to want to hear them. He has uh, things that he's challenged me in my life that I've seen over and over and over have been um, really amazing. And, again, things that that uh, that guy up at uh, Griffith Observatory looking over the city couldn't have even imagined. And, um, again, even now I'm just thankful for uh, where he has me and um, all the things he's doing in my life. So um, I want to encourage you guys. And um, if you could, let's have everybody stand. I'll ask the band to come up. Um, But if everybody could stand, I just want to pray for all the different seasons of life that we have here. Cool. Let's pray. Dear God, um, I just thank you so much for for your word and just the fact that um, you challenge us to be faithful. And even if we've been faithful for a long time, you challenge us to be faithful. And um, even at the end of life, you call us to be faithful to the very, very end because you have been faithful. That's who you are. And um God, I know that there are people here that um, have been unfaithful before, like me, and um, they're trying to get back on track, and it's hard. And um, I just pray that, um, God, you would just call them to take the next step that would lead them to be faithful, and that, um, God, that you would um, you would uh, give us the vision that, it, that you're watching and that um, you really do love us as we're going through really hard times. So, uh, God, we lift this up in your name. Amen.